Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane, this off-season edition. Been a minute since we got together. Last time we chatted with Skip Flores, the championship tire changer and dog from Team Penske. And this week, we got a youngin' on with us. It's Caden Honeycutt. You guys have probably heard the name. He's raced in trucks, ARCA, and obviously the Cars Tour as well. He is tearing it up there this year. Finished second again in the Thanksgiving Classic over the weekend, which, by the way, hope everybody had a nice, meaningful holiday. I sure did with Rob and the fam. Um, but anyways, Caden is a budding young superstar, and he doesn't have a lot of money with him. He doesn't have a lot of experience yet but he has a whole lot of talent and that was on display over the weekend it's been on display whenever he gets behind the wheel of a race car whether that's winning in the cars tour this year finishing second again in the thanksgiving classic helping steve mcgowan and bruce cook win the arca menard series west owners championship for mmi racing this year and obviously doing more with less in the craftsman truck series as he did this past season so Going to be a great chat with Caden. Looking forward for you guys to hear that ahead of the Snowball Derby as he will be participating in the Snowflake down at Five Flags. Before we do that, though, let's throw it over to Papa Siegel with this week's Wayback segment paying homage to a famous member of the Alabama gang and soon-to-be-inducted NASCAR Hall of Famer. Take it away, Pops. Thank you, Duve, and welcome, everyone, to episode 210. Today... Our Wayback Lens focuses on another member of the famed Alabama Gang. When you talk about the Alabama Gang, one of the first names that likely comes to mind is my favorite NASCAR driver, Bobby Allison. And when you think of the Allisons, you also likely think of Bobby's son, Davey. But isn't it time to show some love to another original member of the gang who too often raced in the shadow of his older brother? Donnie Allison had an accomplished racing career of his own that paralleled that of his brother Bobby, even if it may not have equaled or surpassed it. They both raced and won in the Cup Series during the 70s and the 80s. Donnie ran 242 Cup races over 20 years. He won 10 times, including some of NASCAR's jewel events, the World 600 at Charlotte, the Winston 500 at Talladega, and the Firecracker 400 at Daytona. He was the Grand National Series Rookie of the Year in 1967, but the race he's most remembered for, of course, is the 1979 Daytona 500. You know, the fight. Donnie and Cale Yarborough were the ones fighting for the lead with two laps to go when they crashed down the backstretch. When their cars came to rest, they got out and the fight ensued. Bobby stopped his car to join in the fracas, 
and it was all broadcast live, including to a snowed-in East Coast audience. It's the race that put NASCAR on the national map. Did you know that Donnie and Bobby both raced in the Indy 500? They were different times, my friends, when the top drivers from all the different series freely found their way into rides for the big races of the other circuits. Donnie was the 1970 Indy Rookie of the Year, finishing fourth that year and sixth the next. Wowzers. The Allison brothers both participated in the International Race of Champions, and their careers were both cut short by near-fatal wrecks. Bobby's came at Pocono, Donnie's at Charlotte during the 1981 Coke 600. He cut a tire and crashed hard into the turn four wall. It got worse when his car slid down the track and was hit by Dick Brooks. Allison broke his shoulder, some ribs, was concussed, and had a bruised lung. He appeared in only 14 more races after recovering from that one. And a bit of icing on the cake. Donnie Allison will be inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2024, joining his brother Bobby. That's all for this week. Back to you, Doof. Thank you, Dad. I knew actually most of those anecdotes about Donnie Allison and his brother Bobby. Um, I did know that he actually did run in the Indy 500. He told a really funny story and cool story at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Media Center once um, he and Chad Knauss were being honored to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And it was about him and A.J. Ford having a conversation, and there was a lot of colorful language used. And uh, Chad Knauss is up at the podium just kind of laughing and smiling with Donnie just listening to that story. So thank you, Papa Siegel, for that way back segment. And congrats again to Donnie Allison, a well-deserved member and soon-to-be inductee into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Let's start off this episode as we always do, and that is with a good old-fashioned <laughs> And throw it straight over to my chat with the aforementioned Caden Honeycutt. Again, I had a little bit of a preamble, so I'll get out the way and let you hear it, but runner-up this past weekend at Thanksgiving in the Thanksgiving Classic and hoping to do one spot better this weekend down at Five Flags Speedway. Get used to hearing the name. Get used to the man you're about to hear from. It's Caden Honeycutt on Victory Lane. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, Caden Honeycutt, a man that you are going to hear a lot from, not just this coming weekend, not just the week following, but I have a feeling for years and years to come. You are a busy man this week, Caden. Not only did you have the Thanksgiving Classic, but you're working on your own race car, getting ready for the Snowball Derby down in Pensacola. You're working your day job over at Nice Motorsports. You need me to send the email again because your email's all wonky. God, you got a lot going on, man. You need a break. You need a nap. Uh, no, I, I'm good. Uh, I, it's not going to be too much longer until uh, this stuff is over. It's not, This thing called racing will make your life go faster than what you think. So I'm enjoying every minute of it right now. Figuratively and literally, I'm sure that yep. is the case. Life moves fast. So let's chat about over the weekend at Southern National. I know that one stung for obvious reasons on the racetrack. And you tweeted after that, you know, it was for some personal reasons that you might reveal in a couple of days. Before we get there, we're recording this on Tuesday, early evening. So we're over 48 hours removed 
does it still sting that bad oh man i finishing second out of from two big races in a row like that is it just it just sucks um especially for marcus and rns um with me finishing second bobby has finished second the last two times as well in the car series races as well as the rodney cook uh the week before caraway so a lot of big races that we have just finished second to and it just it just sucks to to go out the way we did so um yeah the personal reason was because my grandfather passed away 20 minutes after qualifying um and i did not know that until i got back to the hotel by like six five or six o'clock and um you know i really just wanted to win it for him um and i've now i it was on my mom's side and my dad's my dad's dad as well papa passed away last year um on talladega weekend so um and they were two big supporters that i had um trying to follow this journey so i really just wanted to win it for him and also for kenneth packer and and, and marcus so um luckily we do have a lot of momentum on the late mile stock side going into uh to 24 and uh just really looking forward to the, the opener at southern national um and try to redeem ourselves from uh from that loss yeah that's a lot to absorb man first of all so sorry for your loss that's a that's a lot to deal with you said he was a big supporter of yours was he one of the ones that was influential in getting you into racing and helping support you to get to this point yeah he, he was always you know he wasn't the the racing type but he always supported me for anything that i tried to attempt whether it was baseball football um any type of other sport that i wanted to get into hell if he if i wanted to get into chess i'm sure he would he would help me figure out how to be better at chess so <laughs> um they were two big supporters of mine that always supported me with anything anything i needed i can always call them and um after a bad race or whatever and uh and lean on them a little bit um so we'll hopefully we know we that they're in a better place now so both of them are so that's that's obviously a, a the thing that just try to remember so um just try to go on and not think about it and go on to the rest of these races uh go on to the derby this week and then settle down and uh get ready for february coming up uh next year well said i'm sure he's proud of you watching down and he was when he was watching you at Southern National. On the racetrack specifically, I know that you voiced your frustrations with Butterbean at the end of the race. You, Josh, and him, what an incredible battle you guys put on in the last 25, 30 laps. And understandably so, you were a bit frustrated at the fact that he did make contact and he did kind of move you at the way. Was there anything that people like me who don't follow the Cars Tour and late model racing as intently as some others, was there anything that was boiling over from before? Or was that just a situation that you really just felt like you got taken advantage of? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you watch back those races, right, as, as a driver, you know, as a fan perspective, that race was unbelievably cool for a fan, fan perspective. But also you, you take it as a race car driver perspective and you don't, just watching that literally made to be sick to my stomach for how many times that Josh got ran into. Um, I felt like that really, I mean, it was, obviously it, it was fair, but it's still, there's a difference between just trying once or twice than 20 times in a row. Sure. So, um, and then as soon as I got up there, the only reason I got up there is because of what he was doing to Josh. Uh, I really needed a yellow after we came back from 11th up to third and um you know i just inserted myself into there i didn't i didn't hit nobody i just went straight to the bottom made it three wide and and you know i i did watch the replay back he was there a little bit farther than i thought um just trying to cut him cut a break and and you know 
is there's a whole lot more to it than just that race specifically other than just watching races over periods of time and really seeing how somebody races and then you don't see on the broadcast. So that was another big thing um, from last week. I saw, you know, stuff going on. And then, you know, throughout the rest of the season, you see things as a driver that people don't see. So that's what that kind of frustrated me so much more about it. So, um, and also it was, a, it was so much more frustrating for me not winning that race and two seconds in a row. So nobody wants to finish second in two big races like that. So, um, either way, we still have a lot of momentum going to Southern national is still a lot to be proud of. It was a brand new race car. Um, didn't have any notes on it to, for a race. And, um, I felt like we did very, very well, um, leading up to, to that weekend. So still not a lot, still nothing I can, can really complain about, um, from a team's perspective. And we'll just go on to Southern national in the opener and, um, take the notes that we had from that and uh, try to be better and um, not put ourselves in that type of situation again other than just lead the race. So you've obviously raced in the truck series, and I think, understandably, you know that that series is a bit rambunctious, right? More more so than a lot of people would like. Cars Tour is not that way at all. But in situations like you experienced over the weekend, whether it's Butterbean or somebody else that may not be running at the front with you, call it a lap car, whatever – is that a situation where you, as as kind of a clean racer, at least your track record shows, might need to have to change a little bit and just get a bit more aggressive in one of those things of you race me and I'll race you the way how you race me? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously there's a, there's a respect level and there's a reason why people move on in the sport and there's a reason why people keep on doing what they do for the next 10 years. So um, that uh, Josh did it the right way. He, he had his time, he'd had his dues and he got moved up, but some people have continued to do the same stuff over and over and they haven't improved. And, um, I just don't want to be one of those people, man. I, I, that stuff pays off in the longer and not wrecking people and, and just running into equipment, tearing stuff up and, um, it'll benefit you in the long run. So that's try to, that's something I try to keep in mind, um, in those moments. So, um, you know, it, it, if it really comes down to that, to moving people in those types of situations. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to start doing better and figuring out better ways to, to move people for wins um, and not do it without destroying their stuff and destroying me and uh, just make it do it the right way. Like everybody else would try to do it. Um, well, some, uh, so I don't know. We'll just have to see. And there's, there's a big, there's a big problem with, you know, you can't show your frustration no more and you can't just go over the guy and knock him in the mouth and he won't do that again. And we are pretty prone to fighting and all that type of stuff. So you, it, it sucks because you can't teach the guy a lesson physically. All you can do is just run your mouth at him and maybe he'll fix it, which I can promise you that's never going to happen. So, um, you know, if that comes down to that type of racing next year, we'll just have to see um, see how people start it and then um, and finish it the rest of the year. But we'll just see. I'm not going to change anything I'm going to try to do, and that's win races the right way. And, um, yeah, if I can't do it the right way, I never should win it in the first place. That's kind of how I see it. As you know, there's a big difference between wrecking somebody for the win and moving someone for the win. I think you obviously know that um, way better than me, who's never driven a race car. Uh, you, you spoke about not being able to – go up and punch somebody in the mouth and voice your frustrations physically like that. I think that there's kind of a fine line between fighting to get your point across, doing damage with your race vehicle to get your point across, and race control coming in and intervening. Where do you fall 
on that spectrum, especially given what we saw over the weekend and with Jeff Burton, Justin Marks, Kevin, Dale, everybody at the Cars Tour now kind of having a hard stance of, look, we're not going to tolerate that fighting stuff in the pits. If you do that, you're done. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a very fine line with that. I feel like if somebody completely destroys your race car, that's a hundred thousand dollars. I think um, I think there's there's a difference between just spinning somebody out and then destroying somebody's car, um, front and rear clip, and just all that type of stuff. So right. um, there's a difference between destroying somebody's race car and then spinning somebody out. Um, I think the difference of spinning somebody out on accident is pretty pretty obvious. Um, and then there's a difference between what happened to Bradley and Joyner this weekend in the limited race. Um, Bradley got intentionally wrecked. So that's Bradley did, I thought was right and made sure he didn't go back out on the racetrack. And, um, and anybody says that they wouldn't do the same thing. You're out of your dang mind. That's just that you would absolutely make sure he doesn't go back on that racetrack, especially for what happened to him. Um, and that type of budget class, like a limited class should be, a good budget class and people have fun, but then you see stuff like that and it's really, it's unbelievable to watch, to be honest. Um, so <clears throat> with that, I think there's a difference between spending somebody out on accident and wrecking a hundred thousand dollar race car. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's also a difference between if the same guy does it to you three or four times every, uh, in a row over a course of a weekend, I think there's something that should be said. Um, and I don't think there's, um, should be any toleration towards if somebody wants to have their frustration, they should be able to talk it out. And if they feel like they don't want to talk and just run their mouth, then, then that's different. Um, but we'll just have to see. I, I really feel like the group I will have next year won't really that be big of a problem. Um, this year felt like it was really clean uh, throughout the rest of the field. So um, like I said, I'm looking forward to next year. I think we're going to have a great field and, um, hopefully we never have that type of issues. Um, I feel like we we'll, won't never have that problem. Put a pin in that conversation because I want to get back to next year and some more of your time in the Cars Tour on the late model scene, but let's go all the way back for a hot minute. So I know that you started in Bandoleros where you're from in Texas and Alabama there in the southeast. You move up through Legends cars and you kind of did the progression logically like any other asphalt racer would do, but when did you realize that this is something that you wanted to pursue more than just a hobby? I was doing some research and I couldn't find conclusive evidence. You can let me know. Are you a first generation racer, Caden? I'm actually a second. My dad raced, okay. uh, his name was Kirby Honeycutt. He uh -huh. raced, um, Allison legacy cars, um, some pro late model stuff, super late model stuff. And, um, he actually raced back in, um, uh, ASA with Donnie Wilson and some of those guys back in the day. Okay. before i was even born um and then once i got in the picture he kind of slowed down racing a little bit we raced dirt with each other uh in modifieds for a couple for a couple of years not really and he only did like maybe three or four races a year as much as i did dirt racing i do who's better you can say 25. uh i mean i'm not gonna really say because he didn't really have the chance uh, as much as i have um you're being modest yeah, I mean the opportunities <laughs> I've had compared to compared to him is is far from none. So sure. I can't really say much about that. Um, but the amount of support that he gives me, the constructor criticism, and just being hard on me, even though it's not really uh, at times not really what you're looking for. But as a dad and son, you know he he pushed me to the to the limit that I could never thought I could achieve. So. Um, yeah, he, he raced for a little while and I raced, I've raced longer than he has. 
And um, yeah, I, I learned how to walk pushing late model tires around in, in the front yard. So that's what I grew up doing and um, I've loved it ever since. That'll teach you how to walk real quick. You fall down, you get rolled over by a tire. Uh-uh, oh, not yeah. going to happen my, again. A, a big old fat F45 Hoosier. So that's, that's what that would uh, <laughs> consist of. <laughs> Racers are just built different, quite literally. Um, oh, yeah. Was there a point when you were growing up racing, right? I know your dad obviously helping you, when you thought, okay, I'm good at this. I can do this. I want to do this. Was there a certain point where that happened for you? It was really um, once I got in the car store in 2021 in the late mile stock division with uh, Justin Johnson and Marcus Richmond. Um, never driven a late mile stock before. Didn't really understand the cars or the competition. I literally just got thrown into that um, pretty blindly and was able to win. Like, uh, I think we won over five races that year, um, all the way across the board from cars tour and weekly races. Um, so I got thrown into it, but once I won a couple of cars races and almost won the championship in my rookie year, I knew that I could do it. It's just a matter of being in the right positions and continuing on the path that I needed to with that. Um, so as soon as I got in the car store and started doing well, I, I knew that this was a chance for me to do what I've wanted to do for so long. So um, the car store has definitely built me to who I am today. And um, I really wouldn't want to race in any other series just because of how good the competition is. And um, hell, I think it's even better in NASCAR series at some points um, doing trucks and ARCA. It's just the hardest race you'll ever do. So that's why I love it so much. Marcus Richmond, Justin Johnson, those are two pretty heavy hitters, household names. Were you nervous going into that opportunity, having, like you said, never raced that type of car before and going on a stage like the Cars Tour where you know the competition's pretty stout? Oh, yeah, man. I, I was really nervous about it. I didn't really know what to do. But after the first couple of races, uh, I really took to it right away. And I really we ran with it and almost won a championship. So, like I said, it, it was a great time, a great experience. And um, this is why I continue to do what I do and do it with Marcus and um, really been a key backer in my in my uh, career. So really thankful for him. And we'll uh, keep on making more starts next year and we'll see what we can do. So you said that was a couple few years ago. Fast forward to this year, only one finish outside the top 10 that was not a crash or a mechanical issue in the Cars Tour this year. Those stats are pretty mind-boggling when you think about it, considering the competition that you're around each and every week. I think that says a lot about you and your race team. What kind of platform do you think the Cars Tour provides to you comparably to the truck series, the Xfinity series, Arkham Menard series that you've dabbled in this year. I know it's obviously different given the competitors and the competition. How do you think that compares to some of the other racing that you've done this year? I think it's the hardest race that I've ever done in my life. Um, compared to this year, it's been pretty the most competitive season. Uh, I think it's been in the past couple of years. So um, I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's just the hardest racing and that's why I love it. And that's why I will continue to do it as long as I possibly can. Um, so I really just want, I really want to go run trucks next year. Um, but also still want to run cars tour, which I still can, um, with the schedule and stuff that's came out. So I'm really excited to be able to do more late motor races and I'll run a couple of Arca races for Bruce Cook and Steve McGowan again next year. Uh, I appreciate them wanting me to come back and do some more. 
Um, so I still ha I still have racing I can do, and pretty much I'll probably do the same series again next year. So um, we'll be we'll able to have our plans announced pretty soon, hopefully. And and uh, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. Um, just the car steer is just a different breed of racing, and that's why I'll continue to keep on doing it. Well, I'd hope Bruce and Steve want you back. You helped them win a damn owner's championship for the first time ever. That was a big deal. Yeah, it really was. You know, Mr. McGowan's been racing, you know, for 17 years. And for to get a first owner's title for him for that year was pretty, pretty, pretty special. And uh, I was just really at the right place at the right moment. So just had to capitalize on and um, be able to win those two ARCA races and, and run up front every, every pretty much every race. It was, uh, it was eye-opening that I could do it in that series as well. So. Yeah, I'm really excited for Mr. Gowan. Appreciate the opportunity from him and uh, looking forward to uh, next year. 17th year, and he did it in the 17 car. How about that? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, we'll keep on running with 17, I think, next year, yeah. but we'll, we'll just have to see. So like you mentioned, got a couple wins there out west. Roseville at All-American, Madeira out in California as well. I remember going to Roseville when I was covering K&N West stuff for – NASCAR routes. That is a tough little racetrack. I'd never been to Madeira, but I remember Roseville. It's tough to get around, and you're no stranger to running on short tracks. But obviously, in the Arkham Menard Series West, it's a bit different. Just the competition, the car count, and the car itself. I know you got the trophies there right to your left. How did that type of competition differ from what you see in the car so every week? Same type of track, being a short track, but different altogether. Yeah, honestly, the competition was really, really stout. Um, a lot more stout than I thought. I underestimated the West Series very, very much. So um, going to Madeira and Roseville and places that were short tracks, um, just getting used to driving an ARCA car around there. Um, it was tough, but, you know, I, I took to it right away, and I, I actually loved it. So um, being able to go back to some uh, back to the boring, which is where I grew up, um, racing legends cars yeah. and uh, I'm not going to Madeira and Roseville at all. And just showing up blind and, you know, just having to do the best I could in that Flex situation. Caden. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I really liked it. I underestimated the West series and um, just like it's any other series. It's so, it's so competitive. And um, I think that's probably one of the best series as well uh, to go run in and, and uh, get your feet wet and see how you are. I hadn't thought about it. Was that your first time going back to the bull ring since you won the uh, Legends car deal in 2017? Yeah. Yep, that is, that's right. <laughs> it's been a while. I, yeah. I know. Six years. I know it, but I enjoy it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. So speaking of on the NASCAR side of things, you obviously have dabbled in the truck series, had top tens this year at Bristol, Darlington, and Phoenix. Bristol's a tough racetrack. Darlington's one of the toughest racetracks and Phoenix is tough where they crown a champion, obviously. So I would say that's not too shabby looking at the stats from a 30,000-foot perspective. Take us behind the wheel and into the driver's seat for you. How would you reflect on your truck series tenure this past season, Caden? I thought it was good. You know, I obviously going to places like Darlington and stuff was really, really fun. I enjoyed it. Um, and be able to have the experience and just see how I can do and just don't tear up the truck and you'll have a good finish. And uh, that's pretty much the mindset I had in that, um, to not do anything crazy. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I felt like I learned a lot for next year, and I'm really looking forward to go back to those racetracks for sure and uh, seeing what I can do. People that are looking at these clips may see your hat, Worldwide Express Racing. You just came from Nice Motorsports, where you have a day job. Um, what do you do on the daily for Nice? Well, you know, I, I go to, to Nice and 
pretty much do with anything that's needed in the shop with trucks. Uh, right now we're working on getting all the nose and tails fixed, um, updating everything we can update with the fab shop. So not really much going on at the moment, but um, yeah, we just pretty much just all help out anything I can do to help the, help the guys out. Um, and, and when I'm not racing, be on the road crew, but if I'm not racing late models and, and, and do that. So really enjoy it. And um, like I said, we're working on our stuff for next year and uh, we'll see what we can get. You said you started working there a few months ago. Is that right? Uh, yeah, probably back in probably back in May. Um, okay, so I've been in it for a while. Is it weird that you're working for them, but then sometimes on the weekend you're racing in the competitors' trucks? Is that weird uh, at all? Yeah, you know it's it's crazy, but you know, like I said, I I enjoy it so much. Um, I just any opportunity I can to learn, uh, I do it without even thinking about it. And um, yeah, just it's. It's not ideal, but I can't really complain. So just to be able to learn from a team like Nice Motorsports is is awesome. And um, just appreciate them letting me do what I do. And hopefully we'll have something for next year soon. I'm, I don't expect you to break any news here or anything like that, but can you give us a timeline, maybe a little bit of a teaser on when you think you may have some concrete plans for 2024? Uh, hopefully, I really hope by the end of Christmas, um, I would really like that. That would be very ideal. So we're working on it right now. Get this derby over with, go to the snowflake and run the flake. And then we'll be able to, uh, to have our stuff out and, uh, and start rocking and rolling. Don't get it over with. You got some business to take care of my friend. Come on that's, now. That's right. I sure do. I sure do. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I love the derby. It's my favorite race of the year. So let's talk about that for a minute. Jumping around here. I've never been to the Snowball Derby. I'd love to go. Unfortunately, not going to be able to make it this year. What makes that race and that race track different than any other spectacle in late model racing? Man, it's the atmosphere of that place is just unbelievable. Um, it's just a racetrack that everybody loves going to. It's one of the most prestigious races of all time. And I feel like if, if you can win that race, you can probably go and compete in any other race on the planet it's just it's that and competitive it's that cool of a race um and it's really for bragging rights more than it is just going around for the money so um i enjoy, i love it i've grown around that race for forever and uh hopefully we'll be able to run the derby again soon but we'll just have to see well you finished fifth back in 2020 i know you had a couple accidents and had a couple dnfs as well what needs to happen with you and your team to try to replicate some of that success you had three or four years ago back in 2020 and have a shot at this man just being in the right place at the right time like it's it's so tough to to not it's so tough to be in the correct spots all the time but um i felt like if if we can just do what we did in in 2020 and just stay up front and, and qualify there i feel like we'll have a really good shot at doing some good things and uh like i said i'm really looking forward to it i think we'll have a really good shot and um, I think we should. Uh, I think we should be just fine. So, looking forward to running the flake and be able to see what we can do. How much does tire conservation come into play at Five Flags? I feel like that is one of the most critical components. Yeah, you know, for for a pro car, it's it's not as much as I think. Um, the supers really, it's just you go all out, and um, it's it's really just a matter of just going all out and um and not really saving because you have tires like you you got multiple sets of tires throughout sure. the race so there's not really 
you don't have to save. You don't have to do anything crazy. You go to what you go as far as you can and you take that limit and uh, try to exceed it. So that's what you can do. Then you'll be just fine. Speaking about the cars tour for a little bit more, I mentioned Jeff Burton, Justin Marks, Kevin Harvick, Dale Jr. Those are two Hall of Famers right now. And you got plenty others that are, you know, going to be Hall of Famers or working with you. Are there any specific people on the Cars Tour, whether it be those guys or even somebody like Keely Dubinsky, who's done a ton of stuff, that you have their ear and you can pick their brain for some advice? Or maybe they seek you out and see that you're a young driver with a, a lot of potential and they seek you out to try to help you along the way? Yeah, maybe so. Um, you know, I'm, I think I've had enough experience in the Cars Tour to, um, to have that type of advice, so... Um, yeah, I, I would, I would hope so at least. Um, but yeah, I think I've been in the series long enough and had the success that I've been able to have in the series to, uh, to have that. So, um, those are great, great people. They do a great, such a great job, job with the series and, uh, look forward to what's to come with it in the next couple of years. Do you have like a mentor or somebody that you go to when you have any question on anything in racing? No, not really. Um, pretty much, um, I do what I can and that's pretty much all that's all I can do is, is, um, is rely on myself and, um, and do what I'm supposed to do and, uh, really just do what I got to. What about like a favorite driver growing up? Did you have one of those and have you raced against them? Yeah, I've, uh, I've my, well, no, I haven't raced against them, but my favorite was Jeff Gordon. That's what mm -hmm. I, I was a Jeff guy growing up. So, um, unfortunately, no, but, um, yeah, I watched him forever and I really, uh, inspired to be like him and, um, have hopefully more championships, but I don't know if I'll have as many wins as he'll ever have, but you never know. We'll just have to see. You got to get in junior's ear and get him back behind the wheel of a late model for one time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, be cool. Pretty, be pretty cool. It was like, you kind of half saw him when Rodney Sandstorm raced his first oval race last year in the rainbow warriors car. That was kind of cool. Um, yeah, Absolutely. A couple more things, and I'll let you run here. Um, you spent last season, I think it was, on the RFK Racing iRacing team. Um, I see you on your sim rig right now. You got a good setup. You big on iRacing? Is that something that you use as a tool to help you become better behind the actual wheel? Yeah, absolutely. This is something I definitely take seriously. Um, I feel like this isn't really a game. It's it's well, I don't use it as a game. Um, it is a is a is a sim. But um, I sure. use this for to compete, be competitive, and go out and try to win races. So I don't do anything else other than do that. So, um, and in the NASCAR, in NASCAR Coke Series, I take it competitively. I'm serious with it and try to win a hundred grand. So that's what uh, that's what I use it for. You also are a big part of some good happenings off the racetrack. Friends of Jacqueline Foundation. That's a huge component of what you do and kind of who you are, right? How did you get hooked up with the folks over there? And why is that so important to you to, to help that cause along? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kids that have pediatric cancer and, um, I got hooked up with it with, uh, Rod Worthman race face advancement. Um, they, he was, he had FOJ. Um, and I talked to with Dennis Murphy who owns the foundation and, you know, we try to adopt as many kids as we can and, and let them have the time of their lives. Um, because you never know when their last last day might be. So we try to take advantage of that and, and do the best we can to make their lives better each day. 
And um, as a driver, I I try to um, and try to make sure their lives are are good as far as as far as they can possibly go. And um, yeah, it's just it's an amazing foundation. Um, I'm glad to be part of it. And um, we'll just I will never probably I won't know I I wouldn't say I wouldn't be a part of any other foundation, but right now I'm definitely I definitely will be staying for as long as I absolutely can. Heard that it's great foundation, great work, and you're great for working with them as well. Um, one last thing on Pensacola and the Snowball Derby, what do you think realistic expectations are for you personally when you get down there to Five Flags? Yeah, I mean we go down to run the flake and 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 try to win it. So there's nothing really else other expectation other than just do that. All right. Well, you gave us a little bit of a teaser for 2024. Looking forward to whenever we hear about that announcement coming down the pipe. I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Like I said, no, it's a busy, busy week. So your time is much appreciated, Caden. Looking forward to chatting with you more down the road and good luck this weekend. Yes, sir, man. Thank you guys. And we are back. Thank you so, so much to Caden for hopping on while he was on a sim rig, by the way, and uh, chatting with me here. He obviously is a busy guy. He's working on his own stuff. He's working at Nice Motorsports. He's a bit pissed off at what happened this past weekend at the Thanksgiving Classic and obviously dealing with some personal loss as well this week. So amid all that, really appreciate him carving out some time to chat with this old bag here. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do this weekend and next year. Looking forward to that announcement soon, too, from Caden. Hopefully, we can hear some good things in the works for him. Maybe with Nice Motorsports, he can make his day job his pleasure job as well in terms of driving race cars. But time will tell, and we shall see. And, guys, since there's nothing to recap, there's nothing to preview, that'll do it for this week's episode of Victory Lane 2.0. Hope you guys, uh, if you're listening to this after, enjoyed the banquet down in Nashville. Uh, when you're listening to this, depending on when you're listening to this, I should say, I actually will be in the middle of the ocean. Uh, yes, I am taking a vacation with Robin and my parents. We're going on a cruise to the Caribbean, going to sail some southern islands there. So it should be a lot of fun. I'll be off the grid for uh, seven to ten days-ish. But have no fear. There's going to be NASCAR news that breaks. We're hearing about potential cup drivers. We're hearing about television deals and the like. So there is going to be a whole heck of a lot that does happen in the next couple weeks, even though it's the off season, the news and NASCAR keeps on blazing and keeps on buzzing. Uh, and obviously you can keep it locked to this podcast. We'll have episodes periodically throughout the off season. And you can also stay tuned on X, not Twitter. Uh, my username is at Davy center and also Sirius XM NASCAR radio. We got you covered there. Soup to nuts with 24, seven, three, six, five coverage of all things NASCAR. We'll catch you back here next time with another guest from the world of motorsports. Until then, party people, be good. <laughs>